Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Well, Joy, let's act like we haven't been talking for 10 minutes about what we're about to talk about, and let's Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. act like this is happening for the first time. The magic of editing. (laughs) Welcome to Cut for Time, take two. Yeah. Uh, um, Well, Joey, why don't you give us a, well, okay, first of all, let's note for the audio that you are in California, and it looks sunny. Maybe mm-hmm. those are, um, yeah. uh, I mean, it's been raining off and on. So, okay, yesterday yes. it was cloudy and 50 degrees here where, well, apparently it was sunny and 60 in Indianapolis. So That's beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful yeah. timing. I still wear wore flip-flops, but, and walked on the beach. That part was nice too. So Jen and I are in California for a EFCA pastors collaboration conference. Yeah. And Jeff is there too. Yep. Jeff's here too. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Let's jump into Sunday sermon. Two yes. quick things that you could cover. One is yes. your regular uh, debrief of the sermon, and two is can you elaborate on what exactly happened to your finger? <laughs> well, I, you know, I learned. Okay, so the finger, my thumb. Yes, I cut my thumb. Um, I'll try not to be too gross about it, but I learned early on that the the goal of like knife safety is to make sure that if if you're going to slip and your knife is going to like gouge the table or the wall or something expensive, make sure you put your hand in, in front of it, you know, between your, the knife and anything really valuable. So that way it's, your hand stops it instead of to the wall. So no, I was, um, that's that don't try that home. That kids. sounds like um, terrible advice. That's terrible advice. <laughs> terrible <laughs> advice. Hands, but hands heal and, uh, tables you have to do work to fix them. Now, um, <laughs> I was helping Anna with her, uh, a one gram pre car. Ah. And so I was holding it and cutting something with a brand new X-Acto knife. It slipped and went into my thumb. So I have a line from uh, my thumbnail around the top and then down the pad of my thumb. Um, it's maybe an inch long or so and mm-hmm. probably went a quarter inch deep or something like that. But Did you need neighbor- stitches for that? No, the neighbor across the street, my neighbor, Jason, is a uh, Air Force medic. So I went over and he took a look at it. He's like, no, nah, it's fine. You can go pay somebody $2,000. They'll just glue it shut or you could just wrap it up tight every day for a couple of days and it'll heal fine. So I just wrapped it up tight and yeah, so it's, yeah. it's all right. It's healed. I still have feeling in my finger okay. and uh, at least I think, yeah, so it's great. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. And, um, Anna's car. So was that the important thing that you like put your thumb in front of because you didn't want to hurt her car? Cause it's so, well, possession. So for sure, for sure. I sacrificed for the sake of my daughter. Now, um, we were saving, so she made a volcano because Tyrannosaurus Rex, right. Is a theme. So she made a volcano and she, um, mixed up some, uh, orange and red resin to be, lava coming out of the volcano and some of it had spilled over the side and we wanted to cut it off so i was holding the car in one hand and shaving along the edge of it with the knife and that's when it slipped and hit me so her car was never in danger just my appendages okay all right well um sounds like a really cool car and i'd like to see a picture of it if you've had it's one it's pretty sweet it's pretty sweet um okay so why don't you bounce over to your uh, sermon overview yeah okay Okay, so we're in this section that's after the fruit of the spirit. Okay, what do you do with people who can't or won't or don't, you know, live up to the fruit of the spirit? And then the passage we were in this last week was uh, about teaching. Okay, you know, you can 
you can restore people who fall away or you can invest in teaching and teachers ahead of time. And, and Paul's basic point here is that in when it comes to teaching, uh, you get what you pay for. So invest, you know, which has a dual sided application for us. One is invest in good teaching, good teachers. But the other is like, don't assume that you don't need it. You need good teachers in order to mm -hmm. think Christianly. Uh, but then he takes the sort of sowing and reaping analogy that he's using and continues to develop it and broadens out the application into the whole wide, wise use of resources and money. And from there says, you know, we have a responsibility to use our funds, not just within the church, not just in providing for teachers, not just for caring for people inside the church, but as often as you have opportunity, do good to all. Uh, he says, so be yeah. of the same mindset as sort of the Greco-Roman civic benefactor culture, but do it for different reasons. Do it because the self-giving love of Jesus that has been you know, given to you then motivates you to give in self-giving ways. Um, and in this context, with your finances and the way you uh, do good with your money in the broader world. Yeah. Okay. So is there anything that you needed to leave out um, or you had to cut from your sermon for time? Yeah, sure. I mean, so there, well, you know, like every week I, I went long anyway, so I didn't cut enough, but uh, uh, there were a few things that I didn't, I didn't go into. One is um, the way Paul envisions, envis, envisions, envisages the family of God, the household of faith as uh, in their doing good because being a sign to the world of a different way to be human. Um, and especially within that context, what I didn't have time to develop was how radical, I, I hinted at it some, but how radical this was for the Greco-Roman context at the time. It was a strong and subversive signal um, that God's new creation is like reality in waiting, challenging everything about the way people organize their lives and use their money and organize their relationships and thought about um, citizenship in their, their city and all of those things. So we could have spent uh, hours just talking about the ways that what we take for granted was radically countercultural. Mm -hmm. And it is still probably radically countercultural for us too when I mean, I've, I've listened to a few teachings on just um, prioritizing Christ. And does everything that we do flow out of our relationship mm -hmm. with Christ, right? And so mm -hmm. one of the podcasts was talking about, like, why children might walk away from the faith as they're growing up. And it's because they see it as a part of their life, but not the most essential thing. So it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, like, I love basketball. My family goes to church on yep. Sundays. And we do um, – I don't know, this is how we handle our finances and this is how we schedule our time. And then ultimately they see any of those as like things that they could either continue on into their adulthood is like, oh, I could do what my parents did when they managed their money or I could continue to mm -hmm. pursue basketball and play or I could continue to go to church on Sundays if it fits, you know, whatever. It's convenient. Right. Instead of seeing like everything flowing out of that one space. So oh, for sure. it still I mean, it, is countercultural to us. It is to, to, well, yeah, especially, so the way that it's countercultural to us now isn't the way it was then where it was the forming of new societies, uh, new families, 
across mm-hmm. societal and ethnic and cultural lines. Right. Uh, you said it was the first lines, thing all that. to ever combine all of them or erase all the lines right. or all the divisions. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. To, to try to, to be and treat one another as family across those lines. For us today, I think you're exactly right. It's like if following Jesus is equivalent to I'm a runner or I'm a CrossFitter or I'm a vegan, right? Then then it is, and I can't remember if we've talked about this in Cut for Time or somewhere else, but then it's like, yeah, I'm a, I do CrossFit because that is the means to a different goal. You know, that's a means to an end. That's what gets me to a goal that I've set up for myself. And if you are like, yeah, I follow Jesus because that's the means that gets you to some other goal, not the goal of following Jesus, but the goal of being part of a of a community where people know you and having some sort of uh, emotional experience on a weekly or regular basis or feeling like you're, you know, morally you're okay because you're a good Christian. Yeah. The assurance of salvation. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I do all these things in order to, I follow Jesus in order to get. So like, yeah, man, I'm really into ultimate Frisbee and I'm really into Jesus. If those are at the same level, right. Then we've got a problem. And that's where we'd be countercultural if I'm really into Jesus actually meant like I've given everything to him and everything I have and am is flowing out of that same self-giving love he's given to me. And that means I don't pursue all this stuff that everybody tells me I need to pursue because that's not what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, what does, what other like application or implications to the way we live our lives does living Christianly have? based on what Paul has been talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Well, you said living Christianly, and I said uh, thinking Christianly oh, in thinking. the context of this passage sure. uh, yeah. because it was about the teaching. But you're right. The thinking Christianly leads to living Christianly. Um, I think we often get it exactly backwards. We are more interested in people living Christianly, which we mean, hey, do these things, follow these rules. And of course, doing these things, following these rules, living in this way is very culturally bound. You know, it's... Um, to live Christianly in Minnesota is to, you know, embrace Minnesota nice. Um, whereas uh, like we're in California and we were talking with some friends who live here and describing like ordering breakfast at a place. And the guy, you know, we say all the things we want. And the guy just looks at us, anything else. And we're like, are you mad at us? What did we do wrong? You know, mm-hmm. I'm like he's, if, if that were to happen in a church here, I'd be offended. Like this guy's not treating me like, like a Christian should. I'm like, no, he's just not treating you like a Midwesterner should. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyway, sorry about this. That was a side tangent. But um, we tend to emphasize living Christianly and assume that that will change people's thinking. Paul is emphasizing thinking Christianly, being taught well, and that transforms your living. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, and to back it up in even bigger context and other discussions we've had at faith, like there's a deeper level to even living and thinking and that's loving. What do you love? And that's ultimately where we went in the application of the sermon is if the self-giving love of Jesus has transformed you so that you love him, when you love him, then it's plausible to think in the way that he did. And when you can think in the way that he did, you can live in the way that he did. Mm-hmm. So then how does that fit in with what you said at the very end, you know, before you dismiss the service yes. and you said, Hey, if you don't know where to start, fake it till you make it. Well, that sounds yeah. like action. That sounds like living and doing. Yeah. That was probably too uh, cavalier of a way to put it. Um, but we needed a moment of levity. So I went for the joke, but <laughs> okay. um, so to, to put a little bit more uh, philosophical ground under that, um, how do we become 
the people uh, who live into our identity, into our identity, the way that we're supposed to, you know, so that we live into who we are. Um, two primary things. One is the the motivation, and that's primarily what I hit at there at the very end of the service, which was. Um, don't, you know, don't use guilt as a motivator. Don't create a list of new things you need to do, but walk out of here with a new commitment that you are going to gaze on the glory of God's goodness to you in Jesus Christ and be transformed. The, the more you gaze on his goodness, the more his love uh, transforms you to love in that same way, right? Mm -hmm. That takes time. That takes time. In the yeah. meantime, in the meantime, you and this is where I said, fake it till you make it. What I probably should have said was, in the meantime, do what you know a self-giving, loving person would do, even if you don't yet feel it. Mm -hmm. So in the meantime, you know, you look at people around you who are doing this well, and you're saying, I, I need to do more than, I need to be more like that. And so you do that anyway, even if the motivation's not there. We often say, well, you know, it's inauthentic if I do it when I don't feel like it. It's like, no, it's not inauthentic. It's you're doing it because you're practicing. You're mm -hmm. practicing how to do it until it comes naturally, until the feeling follows or the feeling for, you know, pushes you into that direction. So yeah. it's a, it's a both and it's both transform your motivation by contemplating the goodness of Jesus and mm -hmm. do what you know you're called to do, even when you don't feel like it. Yeah. And I might, this might be a stretch, but what you're saying actually reminds me of the Stow's seminar back in the fall during mm -hmm. go time. Um, mm -hmm. And they were talking about the way that Jesus spread the gospel and the way that we're called to spread the gospel. But ultimately they're like saying Jesus did it differently because he thought differently because he knew the father. And so, be, so then who does Jesus say that he is and who does God say that he is? And if we, know the father and that thinking of or that knowledge of um of who god is that transforms the way that we live out like being you know like a part of in the mission field at our mm -hmm. workplace in our home at our church you know or whatever mm -hmm. um i don't know that might be a stretch but that just made me think about i don't know why i thought about them Anyways, if people haven't heard that seminar, it was really great, even if it doesn't apply, and they can go back and listen to it on our Vimeo. Yeah, well, well, we'll link to it in the show notes so that you can yeah. find it easily. Um, but no, I think you're right. And maybe this is what sparked you, but I remember them talking about the gentle way of Jesus. Yeah. And even when we don't feel like being gentle, we still are like, okay, what would, how would Jesus respond here? And we act gently. I mean, even as, so I'm the one who just got up and said all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And I walked out of the worship center and I, I knew, you know, later on that day, I had some interactions with some people. It's like, oh, this is, I know this is going to be draining. This is going to whatever. And I, I, I sidestepped people and instantly thought, is this what someone who's living self-giving love would do? <sighs> mm. Right? Mm -hmm. So is the right thing to do only respond in self-giving love when I feel like it? Or is the right thing to do the thing that's going to exhibit the fruit of the spirit, water the fruit of the spirit and grow the community to do what a person who is living self-giving love would do, even if I don't feel like it in the moment. Mm -hmm. so. so did you, uh, did you have an opportunity to then like maybe change the way that you were going about it or was like the moment had passed and you just moved on and the moment had passed and I live with the guilt to this day. <laughs> okay. 
Well, there's always another day. <laughs> well, there's, not always, but all, thankfully <laughs> there was another day. Thankfully, just like Paul said, when you have opportunity, it's just another way of saying you always have opportunity. So do it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.